On today's episode, I will be dishing out my Chicago Blackhawks end of the season awards and I'll also get into defenseman Connor Murphy's season recap. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Friday, April 21st. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman2, or you can also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And real quick, whether you're a first-time listener of the show or even a consistent listener and just haven't done so already, please Help me out real quick by showing some support. Make sure to go and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's 100% for free and really does help me out tremendously. And while you're there, make sure to smash that like button, comment down below, and turn on those push notifications so that you can get notified when the episode gets uploaded to YouTube each and every day. For all you audio listeners out there, you can also follow the show 100% for free wherever you get your podcasts if you haven't done so already. You can also go and leave me a review on either Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, which I would greatly appreciate as well. It only takes two seconds to go and show some support, folks. I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for all of your help. All right, enough of that. Good morning, everyone, as always. Thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. And thank you all for making the show your very first listen Here to start off your day. Happy Friday, everyone. Almost there. Almost have reached the weekend. Whether you're, you know, listening to this on your lunch break or on your commute home back from work or on Friday night, if you're just kicking back and decided to throw on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, let me just say thank you very much. And I hope all of your Fridays are off to a lovely start. And on the show today, folks, I have an episode that I am actually really excited for. Got lots of good stuff coming up here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast these next couple of weeks. I'll be talking more about all of that right after our first commercial break. So make sure to stick around for that so you can hear all of the updates that are coming up on the show in these next few weeks of the offseason. But today, as you all know already by the title, I will be dishing out my Chicago Blackhawks end of the season awards. And quite honestly, It was a little difficult to give some of these awards out considering what the Blackhawks roster looked like post NHL trade deadline. I mean, when, you know, going over who was the team MVP or the most improved player, it was kind of like, well, this roster is uh, pretty thin at the end of the year. So what I elected to do, at least for a lot of these awards, is uh, I gave out kind of a a two-part award, whereas there was one for the first half of the season and then one for the second half once all the big guns were traded away from the Blackhawks. Because if you kind of eliminate those big guns out of the team awards, uh, it's it's pretty thin here and honestly hard to kind of name some of the winners. So yeah, some of these awards will have two winners, one for the first half and then one for the second half after uh, the trade deadline when the Blackhawks traded away most of their big-time players. But starting us off, the first award that I wanted to dish out for the Blackhawks 2022-2023 regular season is the team MVP. And this was one of those where I elected I was going to give out two winners for the team MVP. The first one, I got to say, is Max Domi, quite honestly, because 
when Max Domi was here in the first half of the season, I mean, he did play 60 games with the Blackhawks this year, 60 out of 82. That's a pretty good chunk. I don't think it's unreasonable to give Max Domi the team MVP, especially considering how well he was playing as the top line center for the Chicago Blackhawks. And look, when he first signed that deal with the Hawks and, you know, it became pretty apparent in training camp that he was going to be Patrick Kane's center. You could tell Luke Richardson kept those two together for a reason. There were certainly some concerns about whether or not Max Domi was going to have the offensive ability to keep up with Patrick Kane. And there were some concerns about whether he was going to hinder Kaner's offensive abilities. There were also some worries about Domi at the faceoff dot because he had really never been good at the faceoff circle in his career. And he completely shut down and shut up the naysayers uh, that were talking talking down about his game going into the season because Max Domi was absolutely marvelous when he was here for the Blackhawks. And quite honestly, I thought he was better than Patrick Kane this season. Um, don't like all, all everything that Domi did, not only just the offensive uptick, uh, he had 18 goals and 31 assists for 49 points in his 60 games with the Blackhawks. But, you know, he was that typical uh, sandpaper type of player, annoying to play against, was sticking up for his teammates immediately. I mean, Max Domi really kind of was the jack of all trades for the Chicago Blackhawks. You can put him in all scenarios. Now, he wasn't necessarily the most responsible defensive forward, but he still was gritty, hard to play against. Uh, and I did mention as well, won 53.7% of his faceoffs, by far a career best. So he didn't hinder the Blackhawks at all at the faceoff, Todd. In fact, the Blackhawks were the best team in the NHL at the faceoff circle for quite a long time. So, yeah, I thought Max Domi was absolutely marvelous um, when he was here for the Chicago Blackhawks. Quite frankly, I was a little disappointed that the Hawks didn't get more for him considering they did take on Anton Kudobin's deal at the trade deadline as well. But at the end of the day, a second round pick for Max Domi, if you told me that when the Hawks first signed him, I would have been very happy for it. I think this was a situation that worked out for all sides. The Blackhawks got an asset for Max Domi. They flipped him well after he had a tremendous first half and Domi himself was able to kind of, I wouldn't say resurrect his career, but was able to kind of display to everyone around the league that, hey, I have a little bit more of a skill game than I think anyone gave me credit for. And I'm sure that's what made him so enticing as an ad at the deadline. You can put him down on the second or third line and know that he can provide for you offensively. He could be a good faceoff man. And he his game just fits playoff hockey so perfectly. So for a lot of different reasons, I went with Max Domi as the Blackhawks team MVP in the first half and for the larger portion of the season, but after Domi was traded, I said the team MVP for the Blackhawks in the final 20, 25 games of the season was undoubtedly Andreas Athanasiu, who with his efforts late in the season, hit the 20 goal plateau for just the second time in his career. First time since scoring 30 goals as a member of the Detroit Red Wings back in 2018, 19. He also closed out the year with 20 points in his final 24 games, four-game point streak to end the season, which was his longest such streak of the entire year. And he also had four multi-point efforts in the final seven games of the season. He was a man on the mission late in the year. And even when the Blackhawks moved him to center, which is something I don't believe he's ever done in his career, it's almost like his game elevated to another level. Like, He had more ice and more freedom to kind of roam with. He got a ton more opportunities in transition, and also his playmaking ability went up too. Athanasiu had 12 assists in the final 24 games of the season. As I talked about in his season recap yesterday, he had three assists in the first 33 games of the year. So for him to have 12 in the final 24 games, pretty significant. I think undoubtedly Andreas Athanasiu was 
uh, the team MVP for the Blackhawks post NHL trade deadline. The next award I am going to be giving out is the Most Improved Player Award. And this to me, again, another little bit of a two-parter because uh, I think undoubtedly in the first half of the season, the Most Improved had to go to Jake McCabe because his first year in Chicago got off to a real slow start. I mean, those first two or three months, he just did not look like himself. A lot of defensive miscues, a lot of miscommunication probably didn't help that, you know, Jeremy Colleton's system was a little wonky and uh, Derek King, when he stepped in as the interim head coach, didn't really make any changes to the structure that the Blackhawks were running. They were running a man-to-man, which isn't very common in the NHL. And I'm sure that played a part in Jake McCabe's struggles. To be fair, he did kind of bounced back a little bit and started to play better hockey in the second half of the season. And he undoubtedly carried that over into his second year with the Blackhawks because yeah, he was, uh, I think the Blackhawks best player when he was a part of this team, we tried to get him into the all-star game because I think he was the only player on this team, maybe other than Mags Domi, that was uh, certainly deserving uh, of that award. And yeah, when the Blackhawks had Jake McCabe on the ice, they were certainly a much better team without him. I believe Uh, Right before the Blackhawks traded him, they had uh, a minus 45 goal differential or something along those lines when McCabe wasn't on the ice. This guy was a plus seven in 55 games for the Chicago Blackhawks. Plus seven for this Blackhawks team, for anyone to be a plus at all. And I get plus minus isn't the most, you know, crucial statistic. There's a lot of flaws with that, but undoubtedly for Jake McCabe to be a plus seven on this Blackhawks team, that was that bad. I mean, yeah, it tells you how good defensively this guy was. He and Seth Jones, when they were paired together for those final 20 games before McCabe got dealt, they really took on the anchor defensive pairing for the Blackhawks that helped elevate Seth Jones's game as well. We also saw McCabe chip in for 20 points in those 55 games too. So he was making an impact all over the ice. The Blackhawks absolutely were a thousand times better when he was out there for them. And yeah, after it was kind of a struggle-filled first campaign in Chicago, Jake McCabe bounced back in a big way in the first half with the Blackhawks. That's why I named him the most improved player in the second half or not even necessarily in the second half, but if you don't want to go with Jake McCabe, another guy I think is deserving of the most improved award is Taylor Radish. And I know maybe he, he obviously did take a step this season because he reached 20 goals for the first time in his career. Could have had a couple more potentially had he not missed the last few games of the season. Um, But for Radish to play, you know, a full 78 games, basically an entire season um, and be solidified on that second line, prove himself that he can be a good goal scorer at this level. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily, I've talked about this a lot, going to be a top six player on a good team, but it feels like if he can keep up the goal scoring, he could be a good second liner or maybe a third liner when the Blackhawks kind of round out their roster more. But just the fact that Taylor Radish was able to piece together an entire season, hit 20 goals on this Blackhawks team was a staple of that second line. I think, you know, you can put him in the conversation for the most improved player award as well. So that's kind of why I split it between uh, Jake McCabe and Taylor Radish personally. The next award I'm going to be giving out is the comeback player of the year. And I think this one is pretty obvious, at least for the Chicago Blackhawks. I gave it to goaltender Alex Stalock after all that he's battled through. uh, He had complications with uh, COVID-19 that led to myocarditis, which gave him a scare, not only just for his playing career, but he also talked about how it was impacting him back at home as a dad. He's got kids, and, you know, being 35, he's going to be 36 years old this year, I believe. 
uh, that has to be a, a scary thing to deal with, not only just wondering if you're ever going to be able to play hockey again, but wondering how it's going to impact you and your family as a dad and everything. It had to be such a scary situation for Alex Stalock. He only played one NHL game uh, between 2021 and 2022. He actually missed the entire COVID-shortened 2021 season and then returned with the Edmonton Oilers organization, spent a majority of the year with their minor league club in Bakersfield, and then eventually got traded to uh, the San Jose Sharks where he made his lone appearance of the season. So the Blackhawks really kind of took a chance on Alex Stalock as their backup going into this year. And funny enough, I remember when the Blackhawks signed Stalock, everyone's like, yes, this is going to be the perfect backup tank goaltender. This guy hasn't played in three years. He hasn't really put up good numbers in the AHL. No way this goes well for the Blackhawks. Turns out Alex Stalock was one of the best goaltenders in the entire NHL, one healthy this season. And he was a treat to watch on a nightly basis, made you know, watching this Blackhawks team at least a little more bearable with his antics and his willingness to skate out of the net and play the puck and kind of put himself in harm's way, but not really give a shit about doing it. It was a lot of fun watching Alex Stalock throughout the course of the season, and he had a pretty darn good year. I know if you look at the numbers, it might not necessarily tell you that when you see a 9-15-2 and two record, but for Stalock to have a 3.01 goals against average and a 9.08 save percentage on the season for this Blackhawks team. And honestly, before things kind of spiraled there at the end of the season and the Blackhawks dropped 12 of their final 14, Stalock had a goals against average around 2.5, 2.6, and that save percentage was well up into the 19s, a little bit closer to 9.20. So I know those numbers kind of went back down to earth a little bit, but for quite a while there, Alex Stalock had some of the best numbers in the entire NHL. Unfortunately, he did suffer a concussion that cost him some time throughout the year. I believe he actually suffered two, and um, that led to him only starting, I think, 25 or 26 games for the Blackhawks this season. But when he was out there, he was fun to watch, and he was legitimately a, a really good goaltender. Unexpected surprise for the Blackhawks this season. Also got nominated for the Masterton Trophy. So I, I think this one was a no-brainer. Alex Daylock deserves a comeback player of the year for the Chicago Blackhawks. Ooh, that was terrible. All right. There are my first couple awards that I wanted to uh, dish out for the Chicago Blackhawks end of the season. Coming up in just a minute, I'll carry on where I left off. But first, real quick, I need to talk to you all about eBay Motors. Hopefully I don't have a hiccup in space here through this ad read. Got to talk to you all about eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. And it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, make sure to head to eBay Motors because with eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know your part will fit or you'll get your money back because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop with eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back here on the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. Real quick, before I get into segment two, I do want to let you all know about all the good stuff 
that I have planned for the Locked On Blackhawks podcast this offseason. First, I've already begun my season recap segments where I dish out a grade for every Blackhawks player season, uh, starting yesterday with Andreas Athanasiu. Of course, I'll be going over Connor Murphy's season recap here to round out the show in just a little bit. That'll be a staple of the podcast here in the next couple of weeks. Also, I really do hope to have some more interviews with players from the Rockford Ice Hogs throughout what is hopefully a long and successful postseason run. Game two, by the way, between the Rockford Ice Hogs and the Iowa Wild kicks off tonight at 7 p.m. Central Time. If the Rockford Ice Hogs win, that moves them into the first round series against the Texas Stars. And as I mentioned, hopefully I'll be having more Rockford Ice Hogs players here on the podcast. I recently interviewed Alec Regula and Ryder Rolston. Make sure to go and check those videos out on my YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. I also am planning on having NBC Sports Chicago's Blackhawks insider Charlie Rumeliotis back on the podcast here sometime soon. I'm in communications with Charlie right now. And then I'll also soon be starting uh, my NHL draft profiles for the 2023 NHL draft. I'll be looking at potential free agent finds and fits for the Chicago Blackhawks. I got my end of the season top 10 prospects rankings coming up here in a couple of weeks. So I know it's, you know, slow time for the Chicago Blackhawks in their news, but we will have plenty to talk about the next month or two right here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Make sure to go and subscribe to the YouTube channel to stay caught up on all of it. All right, picking up where I left off, getting into my next Chicago Blackhawks end of the season award. I'm giving out the Unsung Hero Award. And to me, there was only one guy. Well, I'm sure there's more guys on the Chicago Blackhawks who do deserve this, but the one that stood out the most to me and I think probably stands out the most to everyone was the efforts that Jared Tenorti gave the season just to get on the ice and be in the lineup for the Chicago Blackhawks. Because you think of an injury, Jared Tenorti probably dealt with it this season. I mean, oh, this guy has probably been in the ice bath for the last two weeks since the season ended. I mean, he had to have been so beat up, um, had probably over 200 stitches this season. I mean, he took a skate to the face which I believe that was a hundred or more stitches alone. He comes back just a couple days later, takes a slap shot to the face, uh, works his way back from that. His like second game back from a broken jaw. He's out there fighting, uh, really did earn the nickname of the bouncer this season. Much respect earned for the bouncer's efforts this season. I mean, what a warrior this guy was. Tried to, uh, Tried to come back for the Blackhawks at the end of the season, even though he was battling with a hip injury. I heard Charlie Romeliotis actually talking on his podcast about how watching Jared Tenorti like walk down the tunnels in Seattle was like almost sad. Like he could barely walk, but he's out there on the ice skating around and everyone was like, oh, well, that's probably going to be the end of Jared Tenorti this season. Then like two days later, they fly back to Chicago and he's out there on the ice for the morning skates. Like this dude is an absolute lunatic, but what a warrior Jared Snorty was this season. And listen, I'll be the first to admit it. I wasn't really thrilled when the Blackhawks, you know, um, when they claimed him off of waivers from the New York Rangers back just before the season started. It didn't really make sense to me with a lot of, you know, young defensemen supposedly rising through the ranks and wanting to take that next step. But it was very evident that Kyle Davidson didn't want to rush this process whatsoever. And 
it was probably the right decision to, you know, leave Isaac Phillips and Alex Vlasic down in Rockford for the greater majority of this season, just to give them some more time to ripen up their game a little bit. Um, so I didn't really understand the move from Jared Tenorti being, you know, a guy, guy who was kind of a career AHLer or a seventh defenseman at best, but he ended up playing in 44 games for the Blackhawks this season. I'll tell you what, when he was out there in the lineup, actually put up some pretty respectable defensive metrics, was playing, you know, a second pairing role for a majority of the season with Connor Murphy averaging 16, 17 minutes a night. And like I mentioned, when he was out there, he was willing to put his body on the line to do whatever it takes. Even though this was not a good Blackhawks team, you still need those guys who are willing to step in front of shots, willing to get physical in the corners, even though the wins are few and far between. You need to have veterans like that who are still setting the president. And, you know, despite what's going on with the franchise, you got to take every shift as the same, whether you're winning or whether you're losing. And I thought Jared Tenorti did that really well when he was healthy in the lineup. And you got to respect having 139 hits and 44 games played, considering majority of the time he was dealing with something when he was out there with the Blackhawks, still willing to throw his weight around. He also had 68 block shots in those 44 games played. So hats off to Jared Tenorti, man. I, I really was pleasantly surprised with his game this season. And you could tell he was respected by everyone in the locker room. Luke Richardson spoke highly about him several times Throughout the course of the season, he mentioned how he would love to have Jared Tenorti back. And what happens as a result? Tenorti ends up inking a one-year contract extension to remain in Chicago. So good for Jared Tenorti, well-deserving of that $1.2 million contract that he was given. I'm sure he's spending that money on a lot of ice baths because his body can't be feeling too good right now. But much respect to the efforts that Jared Tenorti gave when he was healthy this season. That's why he was easily my unsung hero for the Blackhawks this year. My biggest surprise for the Chicago Blackhawks, giving out the biggest surprise award, I guess it's not really an award, but one that I wanted to get into at least, biggest surprise, I had to go with Sam Lafferty. And I know he was only here for 51 games, and there could be a couple of different ways you wanted to go with this, but I think Sam Lafferty's ascension had to be the biggest surprise of the Chicago Blackhawks season. Um, I know the numbers maybe don't jump off the page, 10 goals, 11 assists for 21 points in his 51 games with the Blackhawks. But when you take into consideration the super cheap and team-friendly contract that he was under and the role that he could play as a third-line center or third-line winger, very versatile, but when he does play center, won 52.4% of his face-offs with the Blackhawks, a guy that can provide you with that energy, the physicality, um, can play well shorthanded out there on the penalty kill, a good shot blocker. He also had, uh, out of his 10 goals with the Blackhawks in those 51 games, four of them were shorthanded. So the versatility and the cheap contract is really what I think drew everyone's attention to Sam Lafferty. But there's no, make no mistake about it, this was a, a huge breakout type season for him to kind of solidify himself as an NHLer, we saw these flashes out of Sam Lafferty last year in his first season with the Blackhawks, but we knew he kind of had to put it together a little bit more to be a consistent and everyday NHLer. Well, he answered the bell, I thought, for the Blackhawks this season, and they wind up trading him for a second round pick as part of that package, along with Jake McCabe to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And if you told me at the beginning of the season that we'd get a second round pick for Sam Lafferty, I mean, pretty insane deal for the Chicago Blackhawks, one that while well, Lafferty is an awesome player that you want to have around, you just can't say no to a second-round pick for that guy, right? So um, credit to Sam Lafferty, though, for finding a way to put it all together and 
you know, really make the most of his opportunity with the Blackhawks. That's kind of what it's all about. And a lot of similar guys, you know, are, are going to get that opportunity with this club again next season. Anders Bjork, Joey Anderson are two guys who us fans kind of feel like could take that next step potentially that we saw Brandon Hagel take maybe two years ago, Sam Lafferty take this past season. It's worked out pretty well for the Chicago Blackhawks thus far in terms of what assets they've acquired for those two players. Does it suck trading those guys away? Absolutely. But when you're in the rebuild, that's the path that you got to take. But that all, the reason the Blackhawks were able to get that second round pick is because Sam Lafferty had a surprising start out of the gate for the Blackhawks. Maybe not surprising, I guess. Now that I'm thinking about this, maybe uh, maybe it's more surprising that Lafferty got a second round pick. I had him as a breakout candidate for the Blackhawks this year. I mean, there were just too many moments last season where you could tell this guy gets some finishing ability. Uh, he gets too many chances on a nightly basis due to his speed and uh, his energy levels and everything. So, yeah, I thought Sam Lafferty was the biggest surprise for the Blackhawks this season. Great breakout season for him, and hopefully the Blackhawks can carry on that trend of having another, you know, bottom six type of guy really ascent through the lineup and maybe gets some more assets in return at a trade this upcoming deadline. Excuse me. The last award that I'm going to be dishing out, folks, I didn't really want to dish out best offensive player, best defensive player. I think you can kind of figure out who those were, um, or at least, you know, especially for the Blackhawks, Jake McCabe was the best defenseman. I guess you could say Seth Jones. He did have a good year for all you Seth Jones haters. Go and look at the analytics. Seth Jones was good this year. Um, still, Jake McCabe was the best defenseman. The best offensive player would have to be Max Domi or Jonathan, or Jonathan Tate's Max Domi or Patrick Kane, excuse me. Um, so the last award that I'm going to be dishing out here on the podcast is just my favorite player award. Who did I enjoy watching the most this season? And there were a couple of them. Andreas Athanasiu, while he was frustrating at times, his speed and skill set is undeniable. And there are flashes where he looks like he's an otherworldly type of goal scorer. I mean, he has the capability like once in every 15, 20 games to just make a dazzling move and score a highlight real goal. So Andreas Athanasiu was a lot of fun to watch this season, undoubtedly. Um, I thought Alex Stalock was, of course, a lot of fun. Same with Sam Lafferty. It felt like every time he was out there, he was doing something positive for this club. But I actually ended up going with our baby boy, 20-year-old forward Lucas Reichel. He was my favorite player to watch this season. And I know he only played in 23 NHL games, but those final, what, I think it was 19 or 20 that the Blackhawks left him up for at the end of the season before returning him to Rockford, that ascension and seeing him take that next step, it was, it was beautiful. And it felt like it was only a matter of time for Reichel, right? Because we had seen him just dominate the AHL level. We know the speed, the ability in transition, the puck handling, the playmaking. We had seen that on Rockford on display for the last two years. And it just kind of felt like whenever he came up to the Blackhawks, for some reason, it, it wasn't clicking and he wasn't able to uh, kind of figure it out. But it, it felt like after just so many reps, Lucas Reichel finally got it and maybe in part was being put out on the wing. I really like that decision from Luke Richardson because freeing him up on the on the wing, it just almost felt like he was way more comfortable there. And I know he's been playing a lot of center in Rockford, but it, it kind of does feel like if he's going to be an NHLer, obviously there's a long way to go still in his development, but the wing might be the spot for Lucas Reichel because when he was on the wing with Andreas Athanasiu there at the end of the season, those two were dynamo in transition together. Two amazing skaters, two guys who really thrive in transition, and they fed off one another and established some awesome chemistry. And to see Lucas Reichel 
make that leap on the fly in his development from game to game to game. It was like he was constantly getting better and better and better, finding ways to produce consistently for this team. He ended up with uh, 15 points in 23 games, but probably 13 or 14 of those came in those final 19 games of the season when he was up there. So I was thrilled with Lucas Reichel's ascension that we saw in his most recent stint at the NHL level. And yeah, I hope he's only going to continue to, you know, get better and better and better as he gains experience. I don't see how he's not going to, because it's pretty apparent he has all the tools to be a special player in this league, the playmaking ability, the speed, the hockey IQ. Um, I would like to see him be a little bit more aggressive with the puck on his stick and maybe take that goal scoring ability to the next level. But that's something you want to round out a little more with time and the, the natural ability. It, it's so obvious and undeniable. And seeing him put it all together in this most recent stint was just marvelous and has to leave you thrilled about uh, what Lucas Reichel is going to do for this organization in the future. So undoubtedly, Lucas Reichel was my favorite player to watch for the Chicago Blackhawks this season. All right, folks, that is going to wrap up my end of the season awards for the Chicago Blackhawks. Before I finish up today's show, I still have to get into defenseman Connor Murphy's season recap segment. And for those of you who missed yesterday's show, make sure to go and check that out because it was the first season recap segment that I did in the offseason here. And I started off with none other than number 89, Andreas Athanasiu, who, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, was my team MVP for the Blackhawks post-NHL trade deadline. So make sure to get caught up on all of that if you haven't done so already. Go and click on the YouTube channel. Go and check out yesterday's episode. And while you're there, if you haven't done so already, please make sure to hit that subscribe button. I would greatly appreciate it. But now, getting into number five, defenseman Connor Murphy's season recap segment with the Blackhawks. Kind of a an in-betweener type of year for Connor Murphy. And actually, I should have had this up before I got into the segment, but I forgot what the polls said, what all you fans voted, what grade Connor Murphy should get for the season. By the way, if you didn't vote on what grade you think Murphy should get, make sure to go and follow at Talk and Hockey on Twitter and also go and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks Instagram channel. I'm posting a lot of good clips there. And every day I'll be asking what grade you think these players deserve. So make sure to go and vote. I do want to hear all you guys' feedbacks on this and see if we agree or disagree on the grades that I end up dishing out. But for Murphy, yeah, I, I kind of a, a weird year for him because, and I felt like this last year, on a bad Blackhawks team, it's really hard to gauge what a defensive defenseman like Connor Murphy is doing well and what he isn't. Because, you know, when you're playing a big role, he played nearly 20 minutes a night. He's going to be out there for a lot of goals against. And the analytics as part of that aren't going to look very good. That's just natural on being, you know, a, a big minute eater on one of the worst teams in the entire NHL. But also when you go and look at his numbers compared to Seth Jones or Jake McCabe's when he was here, um, they just, they're not all that impressive. And Look, again, it's hard to judge Connor Murphy for that, but when you see other guys put up better numbers than he does, it makes you wonder, has he taken a step back these last few years? Because Connor Murphy, his first couple seasons with the Blackhawks, in my opinion at least, he was undoubtedly their best defenseman. And this was the final years of the Duncan Keith era where you know he was kind of at the end of it. And um, to me, 
it, it was apparent that Connor Murphy was really the number one for the Blackhawks at that point. But the last two seasons, he hasn't looked like a top pairing defenseman, in my opinion. It's been more clear that he's a second pairing defenseman. And, you know, when a lot of teams say Jake McCabe's a second pairing defenseman too, you probably got to put Jake McCabe ahead of Connor Murphy in terms of overall skill set and who you'd want to have, right? So Murphy might even be a third pairing defenseman on a good NHL team at this point of his career. But at the same time, I wouldn't put it past him if he was on a very more a much more capable NHL club that he'd be a more reliable defender. So it's it's really tough to you know, kind of throw shade on Connor Murphy's season because he has a really tough and a job that, you know, doesn't get credited on a bad team, a guy who blocks shots, hits, basically just like Jared Tenorti. So I really did struggle to kind of give Connor Murphy a grade, and that's why I was so interested to see what all of you fans had to say in terms of what grade you would dish out for Murphy. But getting into some of his stats this season, there were a lot of career highs, to be fair, here as well. Like the 80 games that Murphy played in this season, that was second on the Blackhawks, and also a career high for him. And one issue since being here with the Blackhawks, this was his sixth season with Chicago, was the injuries. It felt like Murphy could never stay healthy for the entirety of a season. And that's why when you go and look at his stats, a lot of it is 55 games, 60 games, you know, he'd miss pretty decent chunks. That was a consistent part of his early time here in Chicago, but this season he was able to stay healthy for a majority of the year. And for him to hit 80 games, it was great to see that. And hopefully that's something we can see more out of Murphy as the Blackhawks progress through this rebuild, as long as he's here, of course, Uh, But in those 80 games, as I mentioned, he did set a lot of career highs. Not all that surprising one. You know, I don't think he's even broken 60 games or 70 games with the Blackhawks since being here. Um, But Murphy ended up potting seven goals this season, which is a new career high for him, along with six assists for 13 points. Uh, The goal scoring, kind of interesting to see Murphy have a little bit of an ascension there. He shot 8.2% this season, which for him is you know, phenomenal. He's a career 4.7% shooter. So um, that probably had a part in him, obviously, um, setting a new career high in terms of goals and also playing in 80 games is going to help that as well. Those two things kind of go hand in hand a little bit. And so does the the penalty minutes that Murphy accrued this season as well. 69 penalty minutes. Very nice, Mr. Murphy. On the season, that is also a new career high by over 20 penalty minutes. But Again, part of that, I'm sure, is tied together with the fact that he played 80 games and also was out there mostly in a defensive role for the Chicago Blackhawks. I believe, you know, 80 or 70 percent of his uh, zone starts came in the defensive zone. So obviously he was playing a defensive role in the defensive zone a lot. That's going to lead to a lot of penalties for Connor Murphy, especially when the Blackhawks weren't very good as a team. So take that number with a grain of salt a little bit there as well. Uh, As I mentioned, Murphy played mostly a second line pairing role for the Blackhawks this season, was never really on their top D pairing. He averaged 19 minutes and 23 seconds of time on ice this year. He also had 160 blocked shots, which is a new career high. That's something that he has been good at throughout his career, but never played in 80 games. So obviously that's going to play a part in that number being high. He also had 165 hits which is the second most of his career. As I mentioned, the kind of a selfless role, and you love to see Murphy doing those things, blocking shots and being physical. But when you don't win games, it's hard to recognize the impact that that plays on the game, right? So that's what makes it so tough to judge a player like Connor Murphy. And then getting into the analytics, this was the biggest problem that I had with his season. You go and look at uh, some of the other defensemen for the Blackhawks. Connor Murphy 
finished with a Corsi four percentage of 38.3% this season, which is a career low, even worse than what he had last year. Now, as I mentioned, in a defensive role, 70% of his starts are coming in the defensive zone. I don't expect his Corsi percentage to be great on this Blackhawks team, but for it to be 38.3%, a career low, it's not very good. And he was also on the ice for 54 goals for in all situations this year compared to 94 against. Now, that is at five on five and shorthanded, but 94 goals against it feels like an awful lot for Connor Murphy. And um, it's tough, though, to compare to years past because it's obviously more, but he played in more games this season. But it just felt like analytically not a very good season for Connor Murphy once again. And even early on in the season when he was paired with Jake McCabe, that was the idea of bringing McCabe in here was to solidify that Blackhawks second pairing. These guys played on the United States development program together. They had a lot of chemistry. They knew each other well. And for whatever reason, whenever Murph and McCabe were paired together, it just never worked. And then we go and see McCabe get paired with Seth Jones. And those two are phenomenal before McCabe gets dealt. It has to leave you wanting more out of Connor Murphy, right? So as I mentioned, a hard grade to dish out here, but, um, Taking everything into consideration, I'm going to give Connor Murphy a flat C for his performance this season. And funny enough, on Twitter, out of 75 votes, make sure to be voting on these uh, season recap grades, folks. I want to see those numbers get up into the triple digits for sure. But it was a split even tie down the middle. 42% of the voters said Murphy deserved a C. Another 42% said he deserved a B. Let me go check the Instagram polls real quick, but I'm sticking to my guns here. I'm saying Connor Murphy deserves a C. Uh, funny enough, on Instagram too, C and B split right down the middle. 40% of the voters on Instagram said a C. 40% of the voters on Instagram also said a B. So right down the middle, I'm giving Connor Murphy a C. I could see why some people were a little bit higher on him than I was. Either way, I'm hoping to see a little bit more in the numbers to take a turn in the right direction for Connor Murphy next season, as he'll undoubtedly be an anchor again for the Chicago Blackhawks on the back end. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up Friday, April 21st episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you all again for tuning into the show as always, and make sure to go and follow Lockdown Blackhawks for free right now, wherever you listen to your podcast and to go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. And you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each and every day. Once again, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman too, or you can go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until tomorrow's episode, it's going to do it here for the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.